Dude, that water is pretty good, actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you have a, a preference with your water? Are you a water snob? No. Some dudes are. Actually, like Chase, you know Chase Boyd, I assume? You know mm -hmm. Chase? Yeah. He, he was telling me about this Hawaiian water, so I was like, that must be the good stuff. It's what the kids like. No, nah, it's good, but I mean, I, I definitely think there's a difference, a difference in taste in waters, but I don't really have a favorite. No favorite? Nobody's sponsoring you yet for water? Mm -hmm. Nope. <laughs> That's what he needs. How much do you drink a day? Like, are you pretty strict about your water intake? Mm, I don't track it, but I'm always drinking over a gallon, over a gallon and a half. Yeah. Probably oh. over a gallon and a half every single day. Yeah. Like everything fitness wise, you look ridiculously doubted. And it was funny. Like we got suits from David Allen. And when I was getting measured for my suit, David was like, dude, this is crazy. You have the same exact dimensions as Dalton Rasta, like everywhere. Like apparently <laughs> <laughs> he was like just blown away. So I, I was, you know, that's a compliment, obviously, but yeah, I'm fucking with you. But legitimately, like the first thing people notice when they look at you, look at your topology, like, dude, you're just preposterously shredded. Like, what's your strength and conditioning routine? Like, is that something you actively work on? Is it like genetic for you? Like, what's what's happening there? No, I just uh, I don't really lift weights or anything. All the cardio and everything I get is from the training, the jujitsu, the boxing, kickboxing, wrestling. And uh, I used to lift weights. You know, so I build a lot of muscle over time. And, you know, in addition to my genetics, I was able to build muscle. And once I stopped lifting, you know, I, because of wrestling and because of grappling, I maintained a lot of the muscle. Don't, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. I lost a lot of size, but I maintained a lot of it, you know, and I've become a lot more shredded too. So you, you can see yeah, a lot of the muscles and everything. And that's why people like to say I'm on steroids all over Instagram and Twitter whenever bellator post pictures of me sure i mean that's that's a compliment right yeah. like if somebody sees you and is like this guy's got to be on steroids like yeah nice yeah <laughs> dude your athletic career in general is really amazing i think you know doing some research like the football and wrestling boxing background like you've kind of you've just been an athlete your whole life man. yeah like what's your earliest sport or what's your earliest like athletic memory when did you realize like sports are for me uh I mean, as soon as I was old enough to play sports, my parents had me in it. My dad had me in wrestling at like the age of five. I started playing football at six um, and just kind of like took off from there and started dabbling other things here and there. Uh, started boxing when I was like 11, dabbled in some jiu-jitsu when I was like 13, got back into wrestling and football in or in uh, high school and then went to do it in college as well. Yeah, at what point? Because fighting is so different. Like making a transition, though, like wrestling, football, pretty normal sports for a kid to play in America for sure. But fighting is a whole different animal. Like, why even at a young age, like boxing and jujitsu, what was appealing about combat sports to you? I don't know. I always wanted to be like the best at really everything. You know, yeah. I just had a desire to be the best and uh, nothing better to prove that in than combat sports you know, and I kind of gravitated towards it. So I, there's a lot of reasons I could say I got into it and a lot of things that influenced me. But I mean, I would say that's the main thing, honestly. When you decided like MMA, what was the transition from college, college athletics to MMA like for you? Like, when did you realize like this is a viable career path for me? Because a lot of people, you know, see cage fighting as like a maybe do it once or twice and peace out kind of thing just to test yourself. But clearly from the beginning, you were looking at it as a career. So when I started doing jujitsu, 
And I should say I watched it a little back, bit back whenever I was boxing, but I really started watching the UFC whenever I got into jiu-jitsu at like 12 or 13 old. And uh, like on the weekends and stuff, a lot of the people from my jiu-jitsu gym would get together, watch the pay-per-views and, you know, have food, have like little parties and everything. And that's whenever I really, really became interested. And in I always had an interest in doing it, but then my interest in watching it really peaked at that time. And then I started getting all the video games and, you know, it just, the interest just kept climbing and one thing led to another and I either wanted to play in the NFL or be a professional MMA fighter. And I kind of let life decide which path I was going to take because I couldn't choose for myself. You sure. know what I mean? So I started wrestling in college. I wrestled at Seton Hill. Then I transferred to Youngstown State after an injury and after I had a falling out with a coach. Um, I ended up going to Youngstown State, but the choice was between wrestling and football. Mm -hmm. I didn't know which one I wanted to do. Do I want to transfer and wrestle again? Do I want to transfer and play football? Because I had a love for both. So um, another thing is I kind of just let, you know, life decide that. It's like, where where are my opportunities? I could do either or. What are my what what are my best options? And, and ended up being football. Went and played at Youngstown State under Bo Pelini. Got hurt again there. Another mm. knee injury. Always had, you know, problems with injuries. Especially when I was younger. I was running my body into the ground constantly. And, um, you know, I didn't kind of get a grasp on that until I was older. But rewind a little bit back to the high or the college football. I was playing there for about a year. Got hurt. Another knee injury, like I said, had knee surgery. Supposed to be cleared by like spring, ball, damn near the end of spring ball before mm -hmm. I finally got cleared. And I worked so far down the depth chart at that because I sat out for so right, long. I wasn't right. even getting a rep at practice to even try to move up the depth chart. So at that point, you know, it became, all right, am I going to sit here and warm my bench or am I going to go and chase MMA? So um, I decided to go the MMA route and I mean I think I paid off I mean it's safe to say it's working out all right for you so far man what was the transition from like wrestling to MMA what was your first MMA gym or coach trainer was it Isaac from the jump or did you have somebody before Isaac no I was actually with Mike Demko at okay. Wrecking Crew Jiu-Jitsu in Newcastle nice and uh, that's who I was with whenever I was like 13 14 years old okay and he so whenever i first started back i was like just worried about working on my jiu-jitsu i already had the wrestling and everything and me and him when we would get together he was a pretty good wrestler and stuff too and he'd always want to test himself and we were always going at it and at the time it was a little bit heavier we were around the same weight mm -hmm. and i was like 220 he was 215 220 somewhere there. i don't know the exact numbers sure. but uh we were always wrestling so i was like kind of his wrestling partner he's let me train for free i was giving him wrestling work he was giving me jiu-jitsu work uh not just because of that. I mean, he was being a nice guy and everything. He knew I didn't really have the money at the time, you know, looking out for me. And, uh, I mean, that's how I started my jiu-jitsu journey back up. And then I started boxing twice a week with uh, Jack Maine out in Elwood City. Okay. And we didn't really have kick kickboxing anywhere around at the time. Stout wasn't really as big. Right. So I was just doing boxing, jiu-jitsu, and obviously I was wrestling still whenever I was doing jiu-jitsu. Kind of took off from there. Mike wanted to set up my first fight. I reached out some to some matchmakers on Facebook. 
had a couple set up, had a couple guys pull out, ended up have, making my debut in March of 2017 mm-hmm. or March of 2018. <laughs> it was March of 2017 okay. in Columbus, Ohio. And I fought maybe I fought one MMA fight and then two boxing matches. Then I had another MMA fight. So I didn't I had, realize that. Yes. Yeah, so I fought four fights within two months, but uh, there was a couple month gap between my MMA fights because I did some boxing matches in between. Then I kept, you know, alternating boxing, MMA, boxing, MMA, boxing, MMA. Now wow. it was eight and no, I believe, in boxing and seven and no as an amateur in MMA before I turned pro. And mainly I turned pro because Bellator reached out to me and they, they wanted me while I was still an amateur. So I did one last amateur fight. They actually offered me at six and no. I did one last amateur fight, which is kind of a risk because mm-hmm. I already had the, sure. the contract. And I did it against Cody Brundage, who's now in the UFC. Really very, good fighter. Yeah, very good fighter. Uh, very good wrestler as well. And, uh, I mean, that was a question mark. Not, not just for myself, but for other people. Like, how would I? I wrestled as well in college. I knew right. I was a good wrestler, but MMA wrestling is a little bit different. How would I fare against another wrestler? You know what I mean? Right. I'm obviously not going to let my hands go as much because I know the takedown's there. Sure. So it brings a different aspect to the game. And, uh, you know, I passed it with flying colors. And... Went off the Bellator after that, and you know the rest is history. Now I'm seven and zero. Yeah, as a pro in Bellator, ranked number five in the world. Dude, the progression has been crazy to watch. You know, for everybody in Pittsburgh, I'm sure following along, all they've ever seen you do is win. Like literally, like you just said, seven and zero as an amateur, eight no boxing amateur, now seven and zero as a pro. The climb has been really, really crazy to watch, man. And I would say, like. It feels to me as an outsider that Bellator brought you along the right way. Like the progressions in your career have seemed appropriate, like a little bit bigger test, a little bit bigger test, a little bit bigger test. And now Romero caught and like a, a really legit test passed that one with flying colors. Mm-hmm. Like you're in a weird position though at middleweight with your gym, you know, Johnny Eblen, Austin Vanderford, like who's left in Bellator, John Salter. Like what fight are you eyeing up next? So they offered me John Salter. Mm-hmm. I said, yes. I don't know if he said no. I don't know if he was injured. I don't know if he's sick. I don't know if he has COVID. I don't know. They don't tell me like if they said no, if there was an excuse or whatever. So long story short, move on to the next opponent. They offer me a guy named Imam Shafi Aliyev for both of these fights for November 18th in Chicago. And, you know, it's been three weeks at this point since they offered me the guy and still nothing. So that Mm. I'm talking to my manager. He had a call with Kogan last night, the matchmaker. Um, they're working on something else for me. Uh, hopefully I, I still believe it's November 18th, but they're trying to find me another opponent. I mean, I don't know who Yeah, Fabian yeah. Edwards is fighting October 29th. You know, he's ranked number two. Yep. Uh, Johnny's my teammate. He's uh, fighting Tokov, I believe next. I, I, I'm hoping I'm not giving out like, uh, <laughs> you know, details or information that's not supposed to be out there, but, um, he's supposed to be fighting Tokov next. Um, I don't believe that's official. That, I mean, it's not official, of course, but I don't believe it's a secret because I've seen it out on right, the internet right. and okay. stuff. But um, yeah, so he's supposed to be fighting him next. I guess Tokov's having visa issues, can't get in from Russia. I don't know if they're going to hold it outside wow. of the country yeah. or if they're going to hold it next year whenever he gets his visa issues taken care of. But yeah, so I mean, you got Tokov's right above me. He's fighting Johnny. Fabian Edwards has a fight coming up. John Salter obviously didn't want to fight me for whatever reason. Maybe he didn't want to or maybe he couldn't. I don't know. Um, <laughs> 
I don't want to be talking about stuff I don't know. Yeah, when there could, then, there are sometimes legitimate excuses, yeah, yeah, so yeah, you yeah. never know. Yeah. yeah, and somebody like a veteran of the game, former UFC vet, you know, former title challenger in Bellator, I don't want to be saying any. Sure. I don't want to get disrespectful like I was against Romero Cotton, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then you look at the rest of the rankings, uh, Seven's also my teammate, Austin. I obviously don't want to fight my teammates unless it's for a title, Johnny or Austin. So uh, eight, I believe, is Romero. I haven't looked at the rankings a little bit, so I might be wrong. Yeah. Um, or no, it's Lorenz Larkin, but there he just go. dropped down to 170. So he's that out always of question. seemed like a good fit for him anyway. I thought 170 for seems sure. right for him. Yeah, for sure. He's a little shorter than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, little he's he's smaller too. I seen him. He fought on the last show with me, so he he looks like a 70 pounder. Yeah. And then after that, Romero Cotton, and I already beat him. And then after that is Anthony Adams, and he got hurt for his last fight with Austin. Austin ended up getting substituted for That's Aaron crazy. Jeffries. So I mean, it kind of leaves a stalemate. Yeah. In the top 10, I mean, there's really nobody for me to fight. So they tried bringing in a new guy that ate Ali ever, whatever. He's like nine and oh, mm-hmm. you know, he's from Dagestan. Good wrestler, good fighter. He's out of AKA too. But I mean, Romero Cotton was a good wrestler, good fighter, and also undefeated three time NCAA champ. So, and we saw what I just did to him. He was, I don't know what the numbers were for at least oh for 10 on takedowns. Yeah. yeah. It was a dominant performance all the way around. Yeah. No but, doubt. I mean, he could. The dude, it wasn't even competitive, you know. Anytime he got a hold of my legs, it felt like I was fighting a baby. You know what I mean? It felt like it felt like I was fighting a little kid. That's you know, I was like, man, I was when we were in the tie up against the cage, like I was just manhandling. Him. I wasn't even trying. You know what I mean? There was times where I was just like reserving my energy. I'm like, is this really it? Mm. Is this all this kid has for me? And that's honestly God's truth. That's just not me talking shit. Like I was expecting so much more. You know, I was I was thinking to myself like, oh, he's a better striker. I think I'm the more well rounded fighter. Then uh, Romero Cotton, there's question marks about his jujitsu and everything. So we haven't really seen that. So I didn't know that part, but the wrestling was on par with mine, you know, at least credentials. Actual, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, his credentials were better. Better for sure. Better for sure. Right. But I know as, as well, people that have trained with me, my coaches, they all know that my wrestling is right there too. Yeah. I just didn't finish wrestling mm-hmm. in college. So you, it's, the awards, the accolades, whatever, it, it doesn't matter whenever you step on the, the mat with each other. So I knew that we were pretty much, you know, even in the wrestling department. So I thought maybe he'd give me trouble there, you know, maybe put, uh, I'd face some adversity and maybe I'd have to dig deep, you know what I mean? Fight myself out of situations, fight myself out of my, off my butt, off my back. But, you know, obviously he wasn't the one to, you know, put me in that place. Obviously he wasn't the one who, made me pull out tricks from my bag that I'm still keeping a secret. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going to pull out all my tricks and show the world everything I'm made of, of and everything course. that I could do if I don't have to, you know what I mean? I'm not going right. to pull that stuff out until somebody forces me to. Right. And I think it's a credit to your team at ATT, man. I mean, you mentioned obviously Evelyn and Vanderford and Bellator and high up the rankings at 185, but Bo Nickel coming down there now, Josh Silvera, like, you got your camp there at 185 for you specifically. Like, there couldn't be a better place on earth for a middleweight to be, right? For sure. And it's not just the 85 pounders either. Well, yeah, I mean, true. you look at the 70 <laughs> pounders, you look at 205 pounders. I train with all those guys. You get a Mario Akhmedov at 205. You have uh, Carlos Antonio de Sapato, uh, PFL champ. Well, former PFL champ. He got hurt this year at 205. You got Josh, like you, you mentioned, at 170. You got Sabah Hamasi. You got. Uh, you're a Slava Mazov, who's the 170 pound champ. You got Boy, Roman Feraldo, who's a killer, man. 
And mm-hmm. really, watch out. You guys got to watch out for that kid. Like, he he has power. His striking's great. He's slick. His wrestling, people don't know anything about wrestling's, you know, exponentially. Nice. And he came in, like, his, not to say he didn't have any wrestling at all, because he still did. You know what I mean? He's an athlete. He has a wrestling base. You know, he knows the general, like, he knows, he knows the fundamentals. Yeah. And, but over the past two years, like, just to see his progression in the gym with his wrestling, he's mixing it in well with his strikes. He's hiding it behind his strikes. You don't know when it's coming. You believe in it. it's a kickboxing mask, and all of a sudden he's shooting on you and he's scoring a takedown. <laughs> you know, he's he's getting good, and I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. So, what's it feel like for you, man, as a fighter when you walk into ATT? Because I was down there in Coconut Creek in probably 2017 or so, and I was working for Flow Combat at the time, mm-hmm. and we were just interviewing fighters and stuff. You know, there were obviously you walk in there and it's like MMA Disney world like it's a who's who of everybody there so it was a great place and it was inspiring for me like as a journalist as a reporter being there around all that talent all that history all that legacy what's it feel like for you as a fighter man when you walk through those doors and it's everybody you just said's there plus the coaches and the nutritionists the trainers the whole setup they have there is just bonkers yeah i mean as for like the fighters i think what you were getting at first like you got junior DeSantis, you have yoana you know yoana is my favorite female fighter of all time yeah so you know, it's it's hard not to like fanboy. Yeah, you know, for a little sure. Bit. You got Dustin Poirier, you got George Mazadal, you got Amanda Nunes, you got all these big names there. You know what I mean? There's several that I'm leaving out, but just to touch uh, yeah. on a few that first you couldn't name my them all. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, most people it would be hard not to fanboy, but uh, you know, I, I adjusted really quick. I thought it was cool at first, you know what I mean? But then I'm like, these guys are just like me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They all started where I did. Uh, a lot of people, whenever they look at the MMA world, like if they if I were to say you know, like this, this something that people would, they always look at the legends, like somebody like Chuck Liddell sure. or Leota Machida. They see these big names that like, kind of like, you know, brought the sport up to where it is. And somebody like, if I would have said this before I was in belt, or even if I say it now, people would think I'm crazy. Like, I'm like, yeah, I could beat that guy. They're like, come on. Like you grew <laughs> up like two houses down from me. Yeah, you're just, right. you're just Dalton Rossi. You're, you went to the same high school as me. We're right. talking about Chuck Liddell here. We're talking about Leah Machida. Yep. They don't realize that those people started off in the same place. They weren't yep. born a big name. Exactly. They weren't born a UFC champ. They weren't born a legend. You know, they all had to start somewhere. And I mean, I feel like I was in the same position. And I mean, I, I know for sure I could beat those guys. I could beat those names. And uh, the sport has evolved big yeah. time. You yeah. know, it'd be hard to find a well-rounded new fighter in this era, somebody that's ranked that would actually lose to like one of those guys. Dude. Like, I'm going to piss a lot of people off by saying no. that. There's going to be a lot of people listening and be like, what the hell he's talking about? Like George St. Pierre is the greatest of all time. No, he's not. <laughs> like Kamar Usman would destroy him. Leon Edwards would give him a tough time. Uh, Yuroslav Amazov at, at in the Bellator champ 170 would beat George St. Pierre. Like George St. Pierre was not everybody that or everything that everybody made him out to be. He, he, he really wasn't. It was just there's that aura about him. He was in a certain era that the sport was growing. And a lot of people like to are, a lot of people are nostalgic about that. Yeah, that's a lot very of people true. like to look back and like be reminiscent of these fighters and say like, yeah, he's the greatest all time. Look at his record. 26 and two, 27, two, whatever. He beat this guy, this guy, and this guy. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand from an MMA standpoint that the sport wasn't what it was or what wasn't what it is today. And there's a lot of fighters nowadays that would just mop the mat with those oh, guys. And you see them every day at ATT. Obviously yeah. I'm kind of glad you said it too, because as you were running out that scenario, I was just thinking to myself, I was like, dude, Dalton would beat 
prime Chuck Liddell right now. Like oh, the skill set sure, is so different. Sure. It's so different. Like people don't understand that evolution that you're talking about. That's one thing, like to your credit, I think as a martial artist, people, especially around Pittsburgh that followed your amateur career, like you, you kind of hinted at it earlier by how you got more tricks in your bag left, but it feels like every time you go out there, we see a real improvement. You know what I mean? Like every version of Dalton just keeps getting better and better. Like, where do you feel feel your ceilings at right now? Like, how much better can you still get? Uh, I have a lot of room to improve. There's still, I'm still making mistakes in training. Mm -hmm. I'm still making mistakes in the fight. People just aren't taking advantage exploiting of them, it. yeah, or exploiting them necessarily. Or if they are, they're minor. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, you know, there's there's tons of room to grow. My potential, I I mean, the sky's the limit. Honestly, like I have a high floor. My floor is higher than a lot of guys' ceilings. Right, you know right. what I mean? And my my ceiling, you know, and I'm only 26 years old. You look at the That's rest crazy. of the Bellator rankings, look the rest of the UFC rankings at 185. Yeah, it's nuts. Who I mean, who's 26 years old, 25, 26 years old? And still getting better every fight. Yeah, yeah no, but I'm I'm young in this. I've only been doing this for five years. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I'm only 26 years old still. I still haven't even reached my prime in fighting. Right. You know what I mean? That the 28 to 32, 34, I mean, it's debatable. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing about fighting is it's not like a sport where it relies on purely athletic ability, which everybody's different. They hit it at a different age anyways, but your skill continues to grow. You continue to learn. You continue to develop your craft. And uh, that that's what makes it different than other sports, purely like skill based and you develop skills. Right. Whereas like other sports, you lose athleticism in basketball. Yeah. And you're just you're, you, even if you're super skilled, mm -hmm. like you can't keep up with the younger guys it, anymore. Yeah. yeah yeah you can't make out you can't beat father time and at the end of the day with fighting you know you're just going to keep getting better every single practice i make improvements every single live go i make improvements every single day you know if i'm watching film at home uh my my rest days if i'm too beat up to go and practice i'll be watching film whether it's mm -hmm. boxing whether it's other mma fights whether it's just uh videos of certain techniques that i'm working on whatever it's just constantly about learning and evolving and adapting and uh you know just like i said being 26 years old and only being five years into this i i can only imagine what i'm gonna be in five years yeah it's a scary thought for your opponents for sure man. yeah but for sure like i said you look at the rest of bellator's rankings the rest of ufc rankings what what's the average age 32 34 it sounds so, right so obviously something i, I mean yeah I, I don't think there's anybody in Bellator's top 10 that's younger, under 30, yeah, under 29. That's nuts. I think that's Aaron nuts. Jeffries is 29 years old. I think he's the youngest mm -hmm. out of everybody. Romero Cotton is 32 or 33. Uh, I mean, my teammates are both both more 30. Yeah. Um, and Tolly Tokov is 30. Musasi's 37, 38, 39, whatever he is. Yeah. Look at the rest of the division. You look look at the UFC too. They're all north of thirty. Yeah, I think how old is he? The, the champs old. Thirty five. Yeah, he's thirty four, thirty five. Yeah. That's Herrera's what I'm saying. I mean, he's yeah. nine years older than me. Yeah, that's crazy. Look look what I'm doing at twenty six year, years old. Imagine me at thirty four. Yeah, thirty four, thirty five. Eight year, eight years, nine years from now. Yeah, man. As you get older, like we we kind of joked about how jacked you were at the very beginning, but like, do you see two oh five in your future? Is that on your no, radar? No, no, no. Um. Like I said, I haven't really lifted. I stopped lifting whenever I first got into this. But then as I like thinned out, as I leaned out and as I loosened up, you know, uh, because I there was stiffness and stuff involved or involved with all the extra muscle and right. 
uh, you know, gassing in the fights involved with the extra muscle and the extra weight. Uh, once I got that, I got a hold of that. Yeah, I got that figured out. I started lifting again once to twice a week, mostly once, but just develop or retain power, explosion, strength, speed. Uh, wasn't doing anything that was going to take away from my striking or, you know, take away from my training necessarily. But, uh, you know, I've actually kind of pulled back on that even a little bit, you know, because there's certain certain days where I'm, I'm doing too much in the gym where it's taken away from my grappling or maybe I might be too sore and it's taken away from my sparring. And, uh, you know, I'm still trying to balance things. It's still one of those things where you got to constantly uh, be playing with things, you know, trial and error. And, I mean, who knows? One day I might just stop lifting completely and I might end up being a 170-pounder. Who knows? That, that would be crazy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, the options are on the table for you, obviously. The door's wide open for kind of – you've positioned yourself in your career where you can kind of call the shots right now. Like, it, there's no ceiling. Like you said, you have a super high floor and the ceiling's – through the freaking stratosphere as well. So it's crazy to think about where you could go, man. When you look like right now, I assume Bellator champ is your immediate goal, right? Like you want to be the Bellator champ. Do you start running out scenarios past that or is that just your singular focus right now? So my one goal, the I mean, the one reason why I'm doing this is purely out of desire to be the best. Mm. You know what I mean? And whatever that entails whether it be bellator champ ufc champ because there's always going to be the naysayers you know what i mean there's saying like bellator's b leagues which is not there's you you walk in the att's practice room the ufc guys are training with the uh bellator guys and they're training with the pfl guys trust me these ufc guys aren't winning all the rounds (laughs) yeah I, i promise you that and uh that that's what the casual fan all the viewers online don't see they're uh hypnotized by the production build up for the fights by the, the marketing they're they're in fact situated with it's not necessarily that the fighters are better and they don't see that and it's i don't want to call it manipulation but it, it kind of is in a way and uh you know like i said back circling back to the point i'm doing this to, for the desire to be the best purely out of the desire to be the best so Whatever that entails, if one day I have to, get to go over to UFC after being a Bellator champ and win the UFC title, defend that, I'll do that. But, I mean, you never know with how the sport's evolving. Maybe the UFC guys come over to the Bellator. Now we have a – You never you know, know. Yeah, so at the end of the day, you know, only time will tell. But I don't, I don't really have a timeline, you know, mapped out. Right. I know I have nothing but time right now, and I'm willing to take it one day at a time, one fight at a time. Mm-hmm. But my goal is to be champ. Nice. So at the end of the day, I want to be champ. I want to defend my belt multiple times. And if that makes me the greatest, it makes me the greatest. If it doesn't, I have to switch promotions, then I'm going to have to do that. Yeah. Did you know from the jump, like your very first amateur fight, I'm going to be an MMA fighter. Like I want to be the best in the world. Was that what you felt from the very beginning? I don't go into anything not be, wanting to be the best in the world. Yeah. You know, it's like first you have to start off, I'm going to be the best in the room. Then after you're the best in the room, you're going to be best in the county. Maybe after the best in the county, you want to be best in the state. Best in the state, best in the country, best in the country, best in the world. You know, so there's steps to it. But I don't go into anything saying like, okay, I'm okay with just competing. Yeah. I'm okay with just being competitive. 
that that's never been my mindset. Some people are okay with that. Some people are like, I just enjoy this. That that's on me. I, you won't catch me losing a fight and being happy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see anybody, whether they're okay with just being competitive, being happy after fights, but a day later, you know, they're going back about their day. Like they didn't just lose the night before. That can't be me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm going to be back in the gym the next morning working on my mistakes if that ever happens. You know what I mean? I want to prevent that from happening beforehand. And there's there's always that saying, people are like, it's not a loss, it's a lesson. Mm-hmm. That's one of my least favorite sayings ever because that that's bullshit. You should be learning. You should be getting a lesson whether you win or you lose. Because when you're winning, you're not perfect. You're mm-hmm. still making mistakes in the fight. If you wait until you're until you lose to start working on the mis- those mistakes, that's why you lost. You didn't learn the lesson during winning, and that's where people get it wrong. Yeah, the lesson should have been learned already. The lesson should have been learned in the training room. The lesson should have been learned in your fight that you won, but you were still making mistakes. Too many people look back on their fights and they look at all the good that they do during the fight, and they look over all the bad that they do. Mm-hmm. And that that's a lot of people's problems. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah, that's a lot of people's problems. And when I'm looking at my fights. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm Dalton Ross's opponent. What am I going to pick out to beat him? Like, how can I beat, how am I going to game plan against Dalton Ross to beat him? And that's how I'm watching these fights, you know what I mean, to improve. It's like, okay, I did this wrong. I did this wrong. I can expose this and I can expose this. And I'm not just doing that in the sense of my opponent preparing for me. I'm doing that to actually improve for myself so right. that, that hole is no longer there. Because if you don't do that and you don't pick out those mistakes as an outsider looking in, you're truly, you're never going to be honest with yourself. Yeah. At the end of the day, you, you have to be honest with yourself because if you're not, you're going to get eaten alive. You think that comes from your football background? Because that's like a very much a football mentality. Like win or lose, you review the film. You watch the game film, you pick out what you did well, what you didn't, you know, or is that just how, how you are wired? I think it's how I'm wired Yeah, because I've been in plenty of, you know, film rooms from football, high school and college, and not all coaches are looking at that. Oh, really? They, they see okay. a touchdown and they're like, this was a good play. They don't say, they don't point out who missed their block. Interesting. Okay. Somebody might've missed their block backside and the guy still t- scored a touchdown because he ran a four, three, four. And they're celebrating. And he just beat, yeah. And yeah, he just yeah, beat yeah. everybody right. up the sideline. So nice. you have a good running back who took advantage of his own skills and was able to make do with the guards that he was dealt, but it might not necessarily be a perfect hand. I think that attention to detail is one thing like people watching this podcast and listening to you. That's very telling about who you are. The fact that you can be, what is it? 14 and 0 combined in your MMA career. And one of the first things you say, you even said it earlier before we were even talking about this, you were like, I have mistakes in my fights. People just aren't taking advantage of them yet. The fact that you're like not going around puffing out your chest, like, dude, I'm the I'm the I'm the best in the world. You're like, I'm making mistakes and I'm fixing them. Like, dude, I, I'm committed to getting better. I think that says a lot about who you are, man. No, I think there's a lot of people that aren't honest with themselves, even in the gym. You know, there's times I lose in the gym. Sometimes I get beat up in sparring. There's times I lose in grappling. There's times that I lose in wrestling. You know, it's people like to go in there and they have a good day. And they're like, okay, I beat so-and-so in wrestling. I beat so-and-so in sparring. I beat so-and-so in grappling. And then they go and talk about it for a week. But they go in the following day after they had their good day and they have a bad day. They don't ever talk about that. Of course, nobody's going to talk about that. You know (laughs) what I mean? But they're still going to be talking about the good day that they had because it's an ego thing for them. Mm -hmm. All they care about is beating everybody in the gym. 
when I'm sparring, people, even if I get beat in sparring, my when I'm sparring, my goal isn't to beat my sparring part. That might be their goal. And they might beat me in sparring and they go and tell like, oh, I beat Dalton in sparring. I, you know, I whooped his ass. I hit him with five jabs. I hit yeah, him with yeah. a right uppercut, what, whatever. But maybe I was working on, and this isn't just me. I'm not making excuses for myself. <laughs> yeah, right, I'm saying right. this is how somebody should be approaching sparring, at least in my opinion. They should be working on something. Maybe you're working on your defense. Maybe you did something wrong during the fight and you're trying to fix it during sparring after your fight. And mm -hmm. that's what you're working on sparring one day. You're not worried about winning the sparring rounds. Your opponent's worried about winning the sparring rounds. You're worried about improving your weaknesses. Mm. And then on grappling day, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm really bad at a, a rear naked choke. And I want to keep taking the back and try to go for that rear naked choke, but I'm not getting it and I'm fatiguing and gassing my arms and I end up losing the round. But the thing is, I'm trying to get better at what I'm not already good at. Right, right. Some guys on the opposite end of the spectrum go in there and they just do what they're good at and they try to always win the rounds because it's an ego mm, thing. Okay. At the end of this day, at the end of the day, those guys are going to stay exactly where they are. Where they are. They're not going to improve. And then there's going to come a day where, yeah, they might be really good fighters, but they're going to lose and they're going to be like, I don't get it. So-and-so, fighter X won his fight but i beat him in sparring all the time i beat him in grappling right and i lost my fight but i beat him all the time and he won his it doesn't make sense and it's like that's not how mma math works right. out right for one and two like i said people don't understand this there's a lot of guys that are fighting with egos that are thinking that their opponent is trying to win the rounds in practice they're not not everybody's in there to win rounds some people are in there to work on stuff Maybe I go southpaw one day. I want to work on southpaw. And I'm getting my ass whooped in southpaw, yeah. but I'm I'm getting comfortable working my defense and everything in southpaw. That's just one example. And I can go on and on all day long. And I don't want to sit here and talk too much, but because I'm starting to ramble. But <laughs> there's no rambling on the podcast, man. That's the point of a podcast. Yeah, but that, I mean that's that's what people don't really understand. And I see a lot of fighters guilty of it. And I see a lot of fighters bragging in the gym all the time, like, oh, I beat so and so's ass in practice. I beat this guy and that guy we sparred and he was scared of me and he kept running away and he wasn't throwing any punches back and it's like dude you got to get over yourself at some yeah. point you know because you're trying to win you're clearly by the way you're talking and by your ego you're trying to win the rounds exactly and i know the person you're sparring is and i know the person <laughs> that you're sparring wins all of his fights yeah he's undefeated and i know his mentality and i know he's constantly improving because he's constantly working on things during sparring so yeah you might have beat his ass during sparring but guarantee you guys fight each other on fight night he whoops your ass yeah because during the fight he's actually trying to beat you but during sparring he wasn't trying to exactly. he was trying to improve himself improve his weaknesses and you were trying to beat him i think that's you like that's your mentality for sure like you can tell that's just how you're wired I think you've also definitely been blessed with really good coaches as well. Obviously at ATT now you talk about Isaac. Like I don't know if you saw the Hall of Fame plaque. It's yeah, up, I did. It's up there. Yeah, yeah I did. How cool is that? Yeah, it is really cool. You got Isaac, Lou Armazani. I don't know uh, Wrecking Crew much, but I assume that was a good good foundation for you as well. Like these men, these guys, like Isaac specifically. What what did he do for you? Because he's so much more. Like everybody talks about it so much more than just a coach like he's here to mentor you and help you become a better human as well yeah he's a great guy he'll give you a shirt off his back honestly and there's a lot of people that say that yeah, about a lot right, of people just right. try to be nice but isaac's legitimately that person yeah you know what i mean i've seen people walk on him 
and I'm not here to like, you know, call people out mm-hmm. or name drop, but I've seen people walk, walk on him and he's still so nice and so caring that he deals with it and still gives them what they need and still Crazy. helps them in any yeah, way. Shape. I mean, and that, that goes beyond fighting. That's everyday mm-hmm. that he's, and he's truly a great person, truly a great coach. And I mean, nobody deserves it more than he does. That's sick, man. Yeah. We're definitely honored to do that. Saturday. are you coming Saturday? By the yeah, way? I'll be oh, there. Nice. That's awesome. Bring the plus one. Yes. Awesome. So Dalton Ross in the house, ladies and gentlemen, Saturday, Braun the Berg 13. That's awesome, man. We're excited to have you there. Yes, sir, can't wait. Fights for sure. Can't wait. Like Isaac's Hall of Fame ceremony is going to be at intermission. So obviously excited for that mm-hmm. and everything that comes with that. But one, one thing I had to touch on with you, I love rocking the Shazier jersey out to the cage and everything. You're a diehard Steelers fan, dude. Oh, yeah. like, like through and through, you're a Steelers guy. How much cancer is this team giving you this year? <laughs> so I argue with my friends about this all the time. Um, I think the problem has or is and has been Matt Canada. Yeah. The entire time. And last year, people were saying, oh, Ben's old. Ben can't move. He's the problem. Wait till we get a young mobile quarterback and this offense is going to be insane then you look at the numbers last year the Steelers were tied first for drops with the uh Chargers they had the worst offensive line in the entire NFL uh most QB hits most QB rushes uh I think we were second in most sack the Bengals were first wow but overall our offensive line was the worst uh we had the most drops and then the play calling was awful and you've seen that not just because this year, but when Ben Roethlisberger ran the no huddle, he had the highest. Yeah, he had the highest QBR in the entire league. Most touchdowns. He had the most fourth quarter comebacks and go ahead get, uh, wins last year. And the fourth, his I mean, his fourth quarter numbers were ridiculous every single time. And that's whenever he was running no huddle. And so you, that that really showed. But a lot of people that really don't know much about football that really sit on their ass and on the couch never really played football or they they might have played a, a a couple downs varsity in high school and never went on to play the next level or you Madden know and champion they're some Madden people, champions yeah some people <laughs> that played jv in high school I, i'm not here to call people out on like what they did but there's a lot of people that don't really know shit about football <laughs> and they think fact. they know shit about football it's uh you get the same thing with every, every with a lot of sports. You know, there's a lot of boxing people or boxing coaches that be like, people don't know shit about boxing. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's it's truth about football. And here I am. I'm not a professional football player either. I played at the next level. Not to say that I know more than anybody else. I'm not a professional coach. I'm not a college coach. Whatever. But there's a lot of people that don't even have a true understanding of how football works or even one position itself. They don't know like play calls. They don't know uh, scenarios. They don't know how defenses yeah. work. They don't know the positions themselves as an right. individual. And they're sitting here crit- critiquing these players and they don't know like how it works or how like one player can make a difference. Like if Ben Roethlisberger is missing a receiver on the field that requires two people's attention and it frees up another receiver, how the uh, play schemes and the play calling can, you know, change or how an open receiver can no longer be open. Or if you don't have a solid run game and people are just uh-huh. focused on, you know, stuff in the uh the pass, yep. stopping the pass, they're not respecting your run game, you're not going to be able to run anywhere. They're not going to uh pack the box. That's huge. So yeah. they're just dropping back, keeping everybody in front of them, boom, it's hard to pass. 
Then you got this year, everybody's like, why aren't we passing across the middle? It's play calls. Look at the play calls. If you look at the routes that were run during the game, this last week we had a couple across the middle with uh, Firemuth. But before that, the game before that, there wasn't one call that went across the the middle of the field. Everything was Those out routes and everything crazy. Yeah, yeah. and everything. The, he's rolling out. The Matt Cannon has uh, we called it like seven hundred mm-hmm. in in high school. That was what we called it in our playbook. Quarterback rolls out. You have a guy going on a little out route. You have a guy going on a, a bench. You have a, a dig route, whatever. Everything's on the outside, and there's all these little short, dinky passes. Then you have a little dump off to the running back, and you're rolling out this way, and all your receivers are going this way. Everybody's covered. So you could either run for two, three yards, get out of bounds, or you could just dump it off right in front of you, and it's going to go for two or three yards. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's that's exactly what he's running in the NFL. I was just going to say. Against NFL yeah. players, against NFL defenses, yeah. against NFL coaches, the best in the entire sport, in the entire world, you're playing against them in the NFL. They're the starters. They're not the backups. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They're the starters, and you're running these childish-ass high school plays <laughs> against these defenses. Yeah. It's been very frustrating to watch, especially, like, the level of talent on that offense is there, dude. Talented players. Okay. Well, Maybe- I, I disagree a little bit. Like, everybody likes to talk up our receivers as well. Deontay Johnson's back to dropping balls. He had that nice catch on the sideline, but you can't take away the drop balls yeah, and the bad routes really- and everything else by one good play. Then you have George Pickens' catch. Don't forget, two drives later, he dropped a uh, touchdown in the end zone right in his hands. Then you have uh, Chase Claypool right across. He ran across the middle right in his hands, dropped it. Then you have Deontay Johnson going deep, hit him on the run. He's still in full stride. That pass Bread was basket. beautiful, by the Bread way. basket. Yeah. Everybody's like, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky's doing so bad. He's doing wonderful. He's doing great. The passes look perfect. Literally, Chase Claypool right here, right where it's supposed to be caught at. Yeah. Bread basket for Deontay Johnson. Bread basket for George Pickens in the end zone. All three dropped, all on crucial plays. They're not on first down. They're on third and long, third and medium, or they're a touchdown play, like yeah. something that's going to score a touchdown or a deep ball. They're things that are going to change the game. You look back to last year, everybody was talking about Ben Rossberger. Like I said, well, let's go back to the drops. We had we were tied for the most in the NFL. We had the worst line, literally the worst play con, the worst situation for Ben. Period. And somehow he still passed for three hundred or three thousand eight hundred yards while missing almost a two two full games and twenty two touchdowns. Yeah, he had a decent year while almost missing two games. Isn't that nuts to think? Yeah, same for TJ with the sack record. Like he missed a ton of the time. Uh huh. And then you look back at the season with all these drop passes. Some of them were in the end zone. Some were on key third down plays on drives that could have set them up yeah. for who knows. I mean, you catch that Deontay Johnson catches some of those third down passes that he dropped. It'll be a different ball game. Yeah, yeah. You know, could drive it down the field. Maybe you have a rhythm. Maybe you have some momentum. Boom. Momentum's big in, in the NFL. Dude, and, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it completely changes the game. It completely changes Ben's stats. Maybe he becomes a uh, pro bowler that year. You know, maybe he finishes in top five. P- people don't realize that Ben still had it. But he, I feel like he was kind of forced out of there. Obviously, he slowed up a little bit with his age. He sure. he wasn't as mobile, but the dude was still evading sacks like crazy, still shaking people off him, still extending the play. And if you go back and watch his highlights, and I know they're highlights, but uh, you go back and watch the highlights, and you're like, damn, I didn't realize. It like, was it's, magic, yeah. Yeah, like the people get so like caught up in their opinion mm-hmm. that – over time, as time passes and they continue that opinion that they, they skew the past, uh huh, yeah, and they don't remember it as it truly exactly. was. Exactly, yep. You go back and look, and you're like, Holy shit, I don't remember it like that. 
<laughs> like I did that with uh, Conor McGregor and Khabib's fight. I thought Conor got mauled. Yeah. And I go back and watch the fight. I'm like, man, he stuffed like four or five of these takedowns. Dude, he, and he made him work yeah. hard for him. He had some Yeah, moments. and he, he, you know, and he was tagging Khabib up. He won one of the rounds. I'm like, I really don't remember the fight like this. I thought like Conor got mauled. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. He still got beat up, but like it was competitive. Yeah. You know what really I mean? And I'm like, he gave the, Khabib his toughest fight yeah, before he got did. submitted. You know what I mean? And he... He doesn't have a good gas tank. He definitely quit whenever he tapped. Yeah, yeah probably didn't have to tap. Yeah, right. But up until that point, he gave Khabib the toughest fight Khabib had, and that's honest God's truth. And I don't remember it like that until I went back and watched the fight. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. Even like circling back to the whole Chuck Liddell thing. Like people probably remember Chuck being a lot better than he really. Like if you go watch those fights, you'll see exactly what we're talking about. How yeah, he's the skill a brawler. Sets changed. Yeah, yeah, he's a brawler. It's just sloppy. Yeah, and just I want to hit hard. Obviously, hit hit bricks in his hands but i wanted to bring up the uh shazier jersey as well because did you ever get to meet ryan through through simon yeah i'm friends Aries? with ryan i i figured yeah. yeah what what has that been like for you like i remember so i was actually covering the steelers the year after the uh, devin bush's rookie year i think 2019 mm -hmm. and like shazier was an assistant at that time like they had hired him to kind of help mentor and just be around the facility and things like that and to hear the players talk about his impact just sounds like one of the best dudes you could be around like so inspiring like what's it like for you being around ryan being friends with ryan i mean it's awesome i mean he's been at the highest level he's one of the best linebackers i mean who knows it's kind of like a bo jackson story like who knows how good he could have been yeah, I know. you know what i mean there was always that potential there and he could have been one of the best linebackers in the nfl period and maybe one of the best in steelers history in nfl history and uh you know, I mean, because of what happened, he's very wise and, uh, you know, he's a very great person. He's always looking to give, always looking to help everybody out and just being around him and like kind of like developing character traits that mimic what he has is, I mean, it's very helpful. And uh, like I said, just being around somebody that has that experience has been in those moments and has that wisdom yeah. and take these moments for you know, it's it's refreshing it because there's a lot of people that think that's not going to happen, you know, and unfortunately, but he's making the most of it. He's making the most of the the name and everything that he built for himself. And he's he's using it to give back. Yeah. And eventually that's what I want to do. Nice. That's what I was just going there. You kind of took the words right out of my mouth, but put it different way. I mean, guys like Shazir around you, we mentioned, you know, Simon and Isaac behind you all the way. You have like an incredible core of people behind you man like the people you've surrounded yourself with couldn't do it any better honestly like the people around you do you feel like when you enter fight camp when you have a fight that you have a responsibility to them to perform like you can't let them down do you feel that yeah i think if you're not going out there every single day and doing the absolute best you can at practice and training emptying the gas tank and training as hard as you possibly can and doing everything you can to improve and get better and be a world champion to accomplish your goals, whatever your goals are. Uh, I think it's disrespectful if you're not doing any of that. If you're not training as hard as you can, if you're not trying to improve and be the best you possibly can, it's, it's disrespectful to those that have invested in you, time, money, you know, and anything really. Um, I mean, my dad was like one of those people as well. And, and he, he invested so much time and so many didn't have into me, like sending me to wrestling camps. As soon as he got off work, you know, completely exhausted, only four hours of sleep. 
sleep driving me to and from different places down to Washington, all the way from Newcastle to wrestle with Cody Weirchalk, uh, up to Dubois to wrestle with Tom Slay, uh, to these Pittsburgh camps. Like he was to Reynolds, like and he was picking me up straight from wrestling practice at 5, 6 p.m. in my school and driving me straight to another practice during wrestling season. And he would get back. We want to get back sometimes till midnight. Mm. You know what I mean? And he has to be up at 4 a.m. to be at work by 5. Yeah. And uh, he put a lot of time and effort and money into me that he didn't have. And I feel like if I just started slacking off yeah. and wasn't working to my potential, that it would be disrespectful to him first and foremost. And on top of that, all the coaches and all the mentors and everybody that puts stuff, that put time and money and their effort into me just period you know simon isaac lou even mike demko uh i don't think mike gets a lot of credit for uh everything that he's done for the pittsburgh community um the mma community yep. you know me josh from steve mowry we all started with him yep you know and me and steve are both in bellator both in the top 10 josh is in the ufc right now Crazy. and uh we all started with him then we all started working with lou we started working with isaac so collectively everybody together you know, got us to where we were. Uh, I don't, I truly don't believe anybody's self-made. Yeah. I think everybody has help along the way. And I surely did. I couldn't be where I was or where I am right now without the help of all the people that I named plus more. And I could sit here and name people all day long, but it would take me too long yeah. to name people that helped me. And it's, it's simple as giving me a place to stay one night, you know, where I didn't have anywhere to stay, you know, where I was bouncing from house to house in college and didn't have money to, you know, even drive to school or my car broke down. Somebody let me use their car to, in order to go take my finals. Yeah. And whenever That's I was huge. about to graduate, uh, just, just simple little scenarios like that. And there's, there's plenty of other that I can name, but to save time, just, I mean, you get the point, you get Absolutely, the examples. Yeah. And yeah. I, I truly couldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for people like that. Yeah. I think, bringing up your dad man obviously that's a ridiculous tragedy that you know nobody should ever have to experience i think that could have to me like as an outsider again looking at it that could have been a, a fork for you like you could have gone off the deep end and kind of let that consume you and, and be a source of of bad depression you know the wrong path or you could use it as you are in a very positive way what what was that process of healing like for you and how were you able to get out to where you are now using it as you said as inspiration and motivation so I actually just started training MMA again when that happened to my dad when he was in the hospital and I told him I was going to have a fight in December at the time and ended up being pushed back, ended up being pushed back until March of the following year. But regardless, he passed away beforehand, so he wasn't mm -hmm. able to see. But just like I said, knowing all the time that he and money that he put into me into wrestling, I mean, I had to put the same effort into MMA. I had I couldn't let all that go to waste. You know what I mean? I didn't accomplish my goals in, in wrestling because I always got injured. My junior year, I got injured. My senior year, I was ranked in the state. Uh, definitely could have won it. 100% could have won it. And I don't want to like be a has-been, but it, that should have been my title that year. A lot of bad things happened. Injuries, sick. Um, like I said, I'm not here to make excuses, but the, the point is, is it didn't happen. Right. I didn't accomplish my goals, and now I have another outlet. In order to get there, I have something else that I want to chase, something else that I want to achieve. And if I just let all of that time he put into me go to waste, like I said, it's 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 disrespectful. So I use that as a source of fuel. Every single day, 
I go in there and if I'm slacking off or if I feel like a moment of weakness, that's the first thing that goes through my head. You know, mm. I'm like, I got to push through this. You know, that's huge. Yeah. On, on fight day, fight week, like I keep, I'm wearing my dad's dog tag right now. And sometimes I wear it on the outside. People were asking me if I'm in the military. I'm not. This is my dad's. He was in the military. Uh, I've even had people tell me it's disrespectful. Oh, wow. To those in the military. And my dad didn't have a cent to his name. You know what I mean? This is one of the few things he was able to leave behind. So this is sentimental to me. And this is the only thing that I feel like keeps me close right. to him, you know, keeps him with me. And uh, if people want to call that disrespectful, I, I, th I think they're disrespectful for one. Two, they're not understanding of anybody's situation and they're quick to judge. But I mean, their opinions might be different than mine. That's fine. I'm not going to stop wearing it. I mean, if they want me to stop wearing it, that's the day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they could do something about it. Do something about it. You know what I mean? But uh, regardless, I'm not going to stop wearing it. This is like my way of keeping him close. And during fight week, I always wear this. I wear this to the cage uh, or right before walk walkouts. And I put it around one of my coach's neck oh, wow. during my fight to keep it close. And uh, yeah, so I'm always thinking of him and not just him. He's the first person on my mind. Right. You know, then myself and then everybody else that's, that's helped me, yeah. you know, because I'm the one in, in the, in the cage and they're fighting and he's like my source of fuel when something goes wrong, whenever I need to dig myself out of a, a tough space. And then I'm like, all right, just me in here. I got to figure this out. But then I have my coaches in my corner. I have all the people that help me get to the point where I'm at right now. So then they're the next thought and I, I need to do this for them. Yeah. So I got plenty of sources for motivation, but motivation has never been an issue for me. Uh, discipline's never been an issue for me. Uh, I know a lot of people struggle for it. Uh, a lot of people are looking for external sources, videos, podcasts, yep. David Goggins, yeah, yeah, all these right. things. They're, they're looking for external uh, sources, and that's okay. But it's never been an issue for me. It's not something I go out and seek. I have it myself. I have my motivations. I have my reasons for what I do. And like I said, my my motivation, my biggest motivation is my father. Besides that, I, I'm doing this for myself. And I'm, the reason I'm doing this is purely out of purely the desire to be the best. Right. And that's that's what I want to be. If I'm not if I'm not doing this to be be the best, I don't want to fucking do it. Right. You know what I mean, there's plenty of other ways to make money. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to be rich, I would go work with Simon. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Right. I'd, I'd go right. work with Simon if I wanted to be rich. That I mean, I would go all in in that. And uh, you can get rich off MMA, but it's a, it's a, it's a long road, long, hard road. Well, and uh, that's not the end goal. The goal is to be the best and yeah. money's going to come along with it. The grind is insane. And I think so, the casual fan does not appreciate even, you know, amateur fighters, what a fight camp looks like, what fight preparation looks like to get where you are, man. That's no accident at all. Like you talk about your, your drive and, and your dedication and everything. It's very obvious, dude, even just talking to you, like you're, you're an intense guy to talk like you can tell you're laser focused and like you've got everything on lock like when you start talking about a subject you're passionate about you can really feel that come out of you man and i think that's just like the journey as much as it feels like dude dalton ross like this kid from newcastle from pittsburgh like doing all these great things it's still just beginning for you man like how exciting is that for you to know that you are where you are and this is like the second floor maybe of your skyscraper you know what i mean i mean it's exciting man i'm excited for what the future holds but it's really up to me mm -hmm. whether i get there or not you know i dictate my future and i have to do that by going in and putting in the work every single day 
um, day in, day out, practice, outside of practice, you know, my training, my recovery, my diet, sleep, all that. Um, everything plays a part. A lot of people think I'm just going to train hard. I'm good. I'll get to where I am yeah, or right. where I want to be. It's not it. Uh, I used to have that mentality and I got injured a lot. So recovery became a big part. Sleep. Because I was sleep deprived. Then I was going to practice without energy. I don't realistically. I just didn't have the energy to perform. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, once I started cutting the 185, have to change my diet even become more strict than i was started feeling better i'm like wow all this shit really plays it matters a yeah, yeah all this play this shit plays a point or plays a part and a lot of people don't understand that and the sooner that they do that they do the sooner that they'll succeed not to saying that they can't succeed without it but it'll definitely make things a lot easier i heard a little birdie told me that as disciplined as you are there's one area of weakness and that's ice cream Dalton Rasta is an ice cream fanatic. Is this true or false? That's true. <laughs> Who, who's the little birdie? I don't I know. I was going to go somewhere else. I don't know, dude. I can't tell you. I can't tell you who the birdie is on air. I don't want to blow his cover like this. But give me like Dalton Rasta's top three ice cream flavors. I, I got to know. Ice cream flavors? Yeah. That That's hard. I can do ice cream shops. All right. Let's do that. Let's do ice shops. Ice cream shops would be natural creamery first. Second would be handles. And third would probably be Brewsters. Brewsters, yeah. that's that's a pick, man. That's, yeah, yeah. All so right. that that's in this area. Yeah, right. Now, um, there's some other places down in Florida that I go to. A place called Holy Shakes is pretty good. I'd put that in the second spot in front of Handles if I'm just. Nice. That's in. Not everybody has access to that. Yeah, where's Handles? That sounds so familiar. McCandless. Okay. There's one in McCandless. Okay. There's a lot over in Ohio. There's Chippewa. There's Boardman. There's several in Boardman. There's okay. Canfield. Gotcha. I can name all the locations. I can name them all. <laughs> I've been to there. Yeah, but uh, the Holy Shakes is good. Um, I, I'm a big milkshake guy too, not just ice oh, okay. cream. All right. But that, I mean, I can go on and on and on. So that's great. Have you been to Pages Dairy? That's the one in the South Side. That's the one. So I've seen somebody here. post about that the other day. Um, one of my buddies, Drew, uh, posted on his story that he was there. I've never even heard of it, so I'm gonna have to try it. But I've tried everything in the area, pretty much, besides that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I haven't tried Millie's either. Okay. Uh, I've had Graders. I've had Brewster's Handles, Natural. I've ordered Bush up in Newcastle. It's garbage. Don't let anybody from Newcastle <laughs> tell you otherwise. Nice. They just have pride in their city where they grew up, where, they, where they're from. Sure, sure. The ice Everybody's cream is, got that. Yeah, the ice cream is not good, but they will tell you to the <laughs> blue of their face it's that the it's best. good. I promise it's you it's best. not. Um, yeah. Where, I, where's Natural Creamery? You threw that out first. Way. Yeah, there's one in uh cranberry and there's one in lawrenceville there used to be another location in robinson but they shut that down during COVID. so there's two now lawrenceville is the original okay and then there's one in cranberry i'm gonna definitely have to check that out it's like rolled them. ice cream and they put okay. like anything in it you so like whenever i go there i'll get cheesecake mm. uh nutella cookie dough they have edible cookie dough so nice. they actually make make it there themselves sounds insane so i'll do and they have different flavors sometimes they have the strawberry chocolate chip which is my favorite but then they have regular cookie dough they have oreo they have brownie all these different flavors but i'll go regular cookie dough nutella cheesecake and marshmallow fluff Dude. and then yes. a little bit of chocolate and caramel syrup so i go like you all go in. all out yeah yeah and then they like roll it out and then i get it made into a milkshake Dude, that that sounds incredible. Like and I'm then, literally gonna have to go do that. And then on top, so they do the milkshake, and then they usually put one roll on top. They'll ask you, but I'll ask them to put one roll on top so it. I get a little ice cream and then there some. You go. Uh, there you go. Milkshake, and then they put like 
uh, scoop of cookie dough on top, some Nutella, some of the marshmallow fluff, and some of the cheesecake. Everything that you got on it goes a little bit on top, and then whipped cream, and then. Dude, they you're put, you're an ice cream mad scientist. Listen yes, to you sir. breaking this down. Yes, sir. You look like you never had a carb in your life, and here you are, like I have the ice cream wizard. I have two cheat meals a week usually. Nice. Uh, so usually it's like Wednesday and Saturday or Wednesday and Sunday. But this week, because I came back Wednesday night and football was on Thursday, mm, Thursday okay. night football, I decided to use Thursday as my there you go as my cheat meal. So I did it Thursday, and I'm either gonna do it Sunday or I mean Saturday, Sunday. I'll probably do it Saturday. It's going to be close together this week, right? But uh, I'm going to the Steelers game on Sunday. Yeah. I'm not. I don't want to waste a cheat meal on a hot dog at the game. You know That's what I mean? Smart or, man, or make it count. Yeah. Make so count. I'd rather go to a nice restaurant like on a Saturday night or something. There you go. And uh, you know, make make it count, like you said. Are you like? Do you drink at all? No, I've alcohol? never. I've never had alcohol a day in my life. Really? Yes. That's amazing, man. That's, Holy crap obviously whoever told you that i'm disciplined that left that part out left that part yeah out. never yeah, smoked yeah. weed never had alcohol never you know even when i was in college never did any of the adderall never had anything the before us ever went is ibuprofen wow so wow i've had three knee surgeries that's what i was just gonna say yeah how'd you avoid yeah i've had three nurse knee surgeries they prescribed me vicodin every single time you just didn't, didn't take touch it. it that's crazy what like what's that come from that's that's a character like above and beyond character trait like to never have a drop to never touch like that's above and beyond Where's when that? i tell you i want, want to be the best yeah. like i've desired no to joke. Be, yeah i want to be the best and that's when crazy, i wanted to dude. win a state championship in high school there was a little gap where i stopped wrestling from 7 to 11 7 12 whatever so i had to make up for lost time so i'm like instead of you know and even in high school even if it only made a one percent difference because if people were drinking in the off season or maybe they were drinking when they didn't have a wrestling match coming up whatever yeah I figured it made a difference because i was getting better training in while they were still recovering from the alcohol so they still might be going to practice but it might be a half-assed practice it might be a shitty practice it might develop some bad habits while they're there they might not feel the greatest and might you know if they have a bad practice then they're harping on it they, they feel terrible right and they let it sit in their mind and then they have a bunch of bad practices again after that where now I go in fresh. I have a great practice going the next day because I didn't have a good pra or bad practice. And I have another good practice where that person had a bad practice because they're hungover. And then they're like, fuck, I had a bad practice. They go in the next day with a shitty attitude. They have yeah. a bad practice again. Yeah. You Snowballs. Know, add, yeah, snowball effect. And it just adds up over time, compounded interest. And uh, just on top of the fact that it's not wrecking my nervous system because alcohol raises your rest and heart rate, lowers your HRV. I mean, we can go into the science it, I mean, all day long if you wanted to, but there's there's so many things that alcohol affects. It affects your testosterone levels. It affects your protein synthesis, your glycogen resynthesis. So your body's not going to shuttle shuttle carbs like they need to. It's not going to recover because the protein isn't actually getting there. Your uh, testosterone levels are going down because it's blocking your hypothalamus. Yeah, excreting it. Uh, your HRV, your HRV's dipping low. Your body's in flight or flight, fight or flight mode. Uh, rest and heart rates rising your respiratory rates rising you're getting bad sleep you're not recovering i mean you're dehydrated i, I can go on <laughs> day, all day bro I, i'm dialed in yeah i'm dialed i'm, I'm well versed on yeah. the effects that alcohol has on your body a couple research projects and that was enough college. for you yeah i know. mean i did it because i wanted to prove to myself that what i was doing by abstaining from alcohol even though i had no desire to do it even if it if it proved right otherwise right I still wouldn't have did it because i had no desire to do it at that point uh i wanted to prove that what i was doing just to myself was right 
worth I don't it. I don't care to talk to other people till I'm blue in the face. Right. That is bad for you because mm-hmm. some people are going to argue that is. Some people are like, all right, I have a diet that I have to stick to because I'm trying to lose weight. I'm trying to build muscle, but then they drink two, three nights out sure. of the week. Sure. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? I tell my friends this sometimes. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? That's worse than if you would eat two, three bad meals a week. Right. They're like, what do you mean? Blah, 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 blah. I'm still keeping my diet. I'm still in a calorie deficit. I'm still doing this, but I'm like, alcohol does this, this, and this. What I told yeah. uh, proteins re- uh, synthesis, glycogen resynthesis, testosterone levels, every everything, your HRV, your rest and heart rate. Like I said, I can go on and on all day long, and I, I try to explain this to them without getting too sciencey on them right, with, right. It, with it. Because you'll lose them then, right? Like then they yeah, don't they, hear anything. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And then, but they get resentful or they, they fight <laughs> yeah, right. back a little, little bit. Right. And it's like, okay, fine. I'm just trying to help. You know, I'm not going to change your lifestyle. Drinking's really that important to you. That shows that you're really not that focused on your goals and you're really not that serious about your goals. So if you talk about your goals to me and you're saying you're not improving and you're complaining to me, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to take mm. you seriously. You know what I mean? I gave you a solution. Yeah, you're choosing not to use it. So I'm not the type of person that I let somebody complain, complain, complain. Problem, problem, problem. The the answer is problem, solution, solve. Yep. If yep. you give me problem, problem, you lost me at the second problem. Interesting. You no longer yeah. have my help. You know what I mean? I, I'm not going to help somebody that's not going to help themselves. Sure. It's like a coach who isn't going to invest in a person that's not going to invest in themselves. So they have an athlete that's training hard all day long, doing everything right in and out of the gym. Of course, they're going to want to invest their time in them, especially if they're good. It just right. makes it that all that much easier. But if they have a, a talented athlete who doesn't show up to practice half the time, who uh, is drinking every weekend, who doesn't watch their diet, who's constantly, it's hard for them to make weight. Aspen Lad, yeah, constantly that's, that's missing nuts, weight, got cut it? from the UFC. Yep. These coaches aren't going to want to invest in those people. Right. You know what I mean, it's a waste of their time because time is money. Yeah. And they're not going to exactly. waste all their time. They can't get it back. Yeah. What do you think of a guy like John Jones, who by all accounts is that like he's the athletic guy. freak? Yeah. You know, I don't think he's un- he's he's as undisciplined as everybody thinks he is. I, he's had a few hiccups here and there, and obviously he, he likes to party. But I think when it comes fight time, he's he's pretty dialed into his camps and does mm-hmm. most most of the stuff right. But then he gets himself in trouble. Right. And getting himself in trouble, maybe it's here and there, but you don't constantly see him every single weekend True. doing shit you know True. what i mean he pops up maybe once a year maybe once every other year doing some shit he kind of just goes off the deep end when he decides to do it but yeah. the dude's athletic freak he's a freak of nature uh i in my opinion he's the greatest to ever to do it nice yeah you know, i think he's the goat we agree on that I yes thought, yeah everybody likes i don't to say, find many people to agree with me on everybody's want to say oh steroids this steroids that it's like bro at the end of the day people that are arguing khabib's the goat or gsp like this dude has more UFC title defenses than both of them have UFC fights. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's a wild comparison. GSP lost way. Like that's what instantly disqualifies him for me. Like, dude, I've seen GSP get submitted. I've seen him get knocked out. Like never saw John Jones lose. That's yeah. at the end of the day, right off the yeah, bat. He's undefeated. <laughs> that man, Matt Hamill loss isn't actually yeah, a loss. I'm not going to count that. You know what I mean? They can no put the one next to his record all they want. I'm not looking at it. Yeah, and exactly. Um, with Khabib, I mean, they're both undefeated. Khabib, yeah, he's good, but he wasn't as dominant, right? I mean, look what John Jones did as a young kid to legends yeah. coming up. Look at the names he beat. Look at not just how many title defenses he has, but look how many names he beat or the names that he beat. Um, look at how he beat them, and then on top of that, after you've looked at all that and you've analyzed, then look at how many right. fights 
or how many title defenses he has. It's crazy. Yeah, man. because not only does he have more title defenses than Khabib has fights, he also beat higher level guys. And no he beat question. them worse. No question. That's the you know? perfect example of what we were talking about earlier, how people will rewrite history, reframe history. People want to act like John Jones beat up, you know, over the hill rampage and Rashad. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> if back then they were the dudes, like those were the guys, they were the peak. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, it's easy to say now, looking back, rampage isn't what it used to be. That win doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, of no, course. no, no. That version of rampage wasn't today's rampage. Yeah. Like, people, yeah. And then the same people that are like, oh, Khabib's the greatest are, are the same people that are like, oh, Connor's shit. He's he only defended this title once. He's not really a true champion, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then you ask, okay, who who did Khabib beat? Connor. Connor. <laughs> yeah. It's like, bro, I, I thought you ways. literally just said two weeks ago <laughs> he's that Connor's, yeah. yeah, he's not one of the greatest featherweights all the time or he's not that good. He only defended his title once. He he won the title, then he ran to boxing and blah, blah, <laughs> right, blah. He had right. all these excuses. It's like, okay, well, who else did he beat? Justin Gaethje. When has Justin Gaethje ever been a true champion? He's been an interim champion. Right. And he's like, he beat Dustin Poirier. Okay, Dustin Poirier is a great fighter. There's one name on his on his list. Yeah. But Justin Gaethje's been beat plenty of times by people that aren't considered legends. Sure. So you got Dustin Poirier. Who else did he beat for the title? Alec Pinta. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, number that number one 13. Counts. Number 13 yeah. ranked guy. That Whoa. fight wasn't even supposed to happen. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm not exactly right on the ranking. <laughs> I mean, I might not be right on the ranking. So Somebody can fact check me if they want, but I believe he was like 13 or 8 or something, something random like that. The fact remains the same. Yeah, because they, yeah, they were finding like a last minute replacement and he was coming in on a week notice Yeah, at that ranking. I was at and, that fight. Yeah, yeah and took Khabib five rounds. Yeah, right. So, so I mean, what's that say? Yeah, Khabib had a full about? round or a full camp, you I, know? And I then the other three, yeah, and then the T Bow. Yeah, beat he him. He did work on him. Yeah, I think yeah. he beat him. Took Khabib down. Close, at least. Khabib couldn't take T-Bow down. Yeah. And people like want to talk about Khabib's wrestling. Sure, he has good wrestling. But like when you're comparing him to like wrestling of like the wrestling of some of these NCAA champs that are fighting or uh just like some of the wrestlers in history of the of the sport of MMA, he doesn't touch them. Right. You know what I mean? Like his wrestling for his weight class against who he's fighting is good. And I'm not here to doubt that he has good grappling. The dude's a great fighter. Yeah. I will tell you, he's a great fighter, but he's not the greatest all time, and his wrestling's not the greatest. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not a great wrestler. He's a good MMA wrestler, but his wrestling is not all that great. Who is the best wrestler in MMA right now? I think John Jones, uh, the best MMA wrestler. I mean, he out-wrestled Daniel Cormier, but yeah. if you're looking at credentials, you got Daniel Cormier, you got Yolo Romero, but like I said, those are just credentials right you look at uh romero cotton i just beat romero cotton three-time ncaa champ he's just over 10 on takedowns i took him down twice you know and i don't have those credentials so i'm amazed wrestling's a little bit different too as well sure but that's more what i meant MMA yeah, wrestling. Yeah. I, I say john jones uh daniel cormier's up there mm-hmm. and then you got guys like michael chandler yeah uh, justin Gaethje doesn't use his wrestling at all but that's what i'm saying he's a all American Division One, All American, but he doesn't yeah. use it at all. His MMA wrestling's not good. Yeah, I'm saying, and like Tony Ferguson, also All American, but he got manhandled by Charlie Olives. Not nuts. Yeah, so I mean, that just goes to show you that MMA wrestling is completely different. You got Bo coming up too. Obviously, his wrestling speaks for itself. Yeah, great wrestling pedigree. Um, I don't know how his MMA wrestling is. I never sparred with him. You know, he's a great wrestler. Oh, no, you never sparred with him. That's uh, I never sparred with him. I never, I've grappled with him once at the at uh, Matt Factory like a year ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
wrestle with him and grapple with him. So you know, he has good wrestling, but and I'm sure he has good MMA wrestling too. Yeah. I mean, look what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, but right. uh, he is he still has a lot of time to develop his MMA wrestling. So yeah. it's only going to get better. I mean, especially with how good he is at wrestling, how he was able to get to the level that he's at. He's going to do the same thing with his MMA wrestling. So if it's not there yet, it's going to be. Um, but it, I think it's a question mark as of now. Right. You know. I mean, it's interesting for everybody's career, man. Bo, Bo coming up. It, it's fun for the sport, right? Like when you get guys like that coming in and making waves, like obviously the headlines speak for themselves, but it, it reminds me of you too. Like we don't know what his ceiling is going to be. Like guys like that who just come in and start wrecking shop. It's like he's new to the sport too. Yeah, like he's right. only a year. He has a year worth of fights. Now I've drilled with him. His striking is still green. Sure. You know what I mean? But that's he's only a year in. To be expected. Yeah. 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 It's to be expected. So, I mean, he's going to keep improving. Uh, Obviously, he hits hard. <laughs> right. I mean, he knocked the first dude he fought out. Um, I think two of his wins were knocked out. Yeah. And then this last one, he flattened the dude before mm-hmm. he choked him out. So, obviously, he hits hard. So, he has that going for him in the striking department. And then his wrestling's really good. His grappling's really good. Uh, obviously, he's taken to the grappling because of his wrestling background. So, I mean, I mean you know, he's kind of the way he's putting on performances right now, it's kind of reminiscent of Chemayev when right. he first came in. Very true. Uh, Chimaev has a lot more experience though, and Chimaev's striking is better now. But I mean, give Bo some time to develop. Shit, and, he, uh, he could already beat Prime Chuck Liddell. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> fucking manhandle, bro. I love it, dude. But man, listen, I'm not gonna keep you here any longer. I feel like we've been going for for a hot minute now, dude. This seriously, man, awesome talk. I appreciate you coming in so much. It's been this is the first time we ever like caught up like this actually, which is awesome. And obviously, you coming out to the show, Braunenberg 13, means a lot to us, man. It's been awesome to watch your progression, like I said. And we look forward to seeing where you go from here, brother. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. For sure, man. Thanks for watching, ladies and gentlemen.